0: This is Channel 253.
1: Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to AlaskaAir.com.
0: This is the We Art Tacoma Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the We Art Tacoma podcast. I'm Eric Hanberg. This is Doug Producer. Doug Producer. Uh, today we are joined by uh, Michael Halflinger, uh, who is a local poet, executive director of Write 253, and he has a new book out, which sounds pretty cool. That's right, and he does karaoke apparently. Yeah, we we uh, we really get into karaoke right at the end of this. So we don't uh, actually sing we don't karaoke. actually sing, but uh, <laughs> if you want to know what Doug and I like to sing for karaoke, uh, stay to the end. <laughs> Here we go. We are back for another episode of We Art Tacoma. I'm your host Eric Hanberg, and today's guest is Michael Hefflinger. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Eric. Um, you were, had an episode of Move to Tacoma a couple of years ago, and we're just going to pretend that didn't exist mm-hmm. so that Never we have fresh it. listeners. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself uh, to the We Art Tacoma audience?
2: Uh, okay. So Michael Hefflinger, I'm a poet. I live here in Tacoma, five years now. And, and where were you before Tacoma? Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. Lived there for four um, do you want me to go back and do the whole No, but stream? what brought you here? Yeah. How's that? Um, my partner got a job at the University of Washington, Tacoma. And so we l- packed up a truck and drove out here over the course of eight or nine days, camped along the way. And nice. It, it was great. That was a great road trip. Um, but yeah, we were in Philly and we were trying to – we were looking for an escape plan to leave Philadelphia, not for anything necessarily against Philadelphia, but we had been living in a lot of really big cities, and we were kind of over that. Um, I didn't really grow up in big cities, and neither did she, so we had done that, and we were looking for someplace a little mellower, a little smaller, and someplace with mountains near it, so we were looking around North Carolina, Colorado, and
0: um, she- It sounds like we check all the boxes.
2: She sent me an email with a photograph of Mount Rainier sort of from- I guess what's now Point Ruston or yeah. Old Town or something, yeah. looking at the city. And she said, would you like to move here? And before I could reply, she had already sent her application <laughs> in for the job. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. It was probably the best move we've made so far. That's great. Have you always considered yourself a poet or a writer? Since high school. Yeah, I started writing really seriously, I think, my junior year in high school. I had a fantastic English teacher. We were doing our unit on transcendentalism, you know Emerson and Thoreau and Whitman and the transparent eyeball. That's yeah, one of
0: the very few things I remember from that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Dickinson and Poe and Blake and all those sort of 1800s uh, mystical writers from the U.S. and Britain. And she noticed that I was really interested in it, and suggested that I go look for some more contemporary poets and started writing down some names: Lawrence Ferlinghetti, Allen Ginsberg. Jack Kerouac, and so that got me interested in the Beats, and that kind of you know, burning desire to change the, the the world, as it were, that you live in, um, just kind of blossomed in me, and I started writing, and never really looked back. So I was yeah. So so that's some, where that's where it came ago.
0: from. Is is uh, sometimes people especially with poetry, I feel like, are trying to express themselves in a way. But you had this, it sounds like, almost like an external an external change the world view. How, or yeah, coming... but not in
2: any kind of political way. Okay. In more of like, a, I, I grew up in a, a, a relatively um, uninteresting suburb of Cincinnati, and I wanted nothing more than to get away from there. Okay. And I think that the poems and those writers offered kind of um, opportunities in my imagination yeah. to envision a life, Away from that place,
0: you know, it's interesting because I think I would have described my childhood here in Tacoma as being a relatively uninteresting <laughs> suburb
2: of Seattle. Um, <laughs> I but to, now I you going like you... to explain to people who <laughs> visit me that this is not a suburb of Seattle. I know, yeah, I, I, but
0: but I like like, like and even Seattle. I mean, we this whole area was kind of a, a backwater mm-hmm. until you know. Nirvana, basically. Right. You know? right. I had a friend in the Netherlands, she said that uh, they didn't call grunge music like grunge. They they put a sticker on it that said Seattle.
2: Seattle, yeah. Um, That's how I knew it in Ohio. Oh really? I mean I was I was a junior in high school when Nevermind and Ten yeah. and Bad Motor Finger and Dirt. They all came out pretty much the same year. So I was a junior senior in high school when that stuff was, you know, running up the charts and and so Seattle particularly, but this this area always had like Occupied a space in my imagination, hmm. but I'd never been here before. We moved here. Like okay, I'd, I'd never been. I'd been to the Bay Area, but I'd never been to the Pacific Northwest. So we came pretty much sight unseen, um, which was I'm okay with. I'm yeah. okay with doing that. I've done that before. It so.
0: worked out well. It seems like. I yeah, mean, I mean, what's the
2: worst that can happen? So <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, that that all kind of connected really, and and you mentioned Nirvana, which is interesting because like I think a lot of. What propelled Kurt Cobain to write the types of songs that he did that really touched me in a particular way at that time in my life was, you know, wanting to get out of Aberdeen in a similar sense, right? Yeah. Being surrounded by people that didn't understand him or didn't um, appreciate him or he didn't appreciate them or whatever that relationship was. But I think it all kind of intersected for me. And I was 17 and I was full of piss and vinegar and ready to get out in the world. So Yeah. That's when I started writing poems. Um, And then throughout college, I just kept doing it. I met a community of artists when I was in school. And I'm very close with many of them. Like that was a really formative time for me. Um, And we did readings together and we would publish, you know, little zines together. And of that group of eight or nine people, I think like five or six of us are still publishing actively and working in poetry in some capacity and other art forms. Um, So it was a really – it was in that was in Dayton, Ohio, and that was in the, the sort of mid nineties. And in Dayton in the mid nineties was really cheap. My rent was like two hundred dollars a month or one hundred and sixty dollars a month, depending on the living <laughs> circumstances. Jeez. Um, and and you know we would just work our kind of crappy service industry jobs and make rent, or you know go to school. And then when we had our free time, we had lots of it. We would write together and perform together and make art together and you know read together. And it was just like. It was the best. Yeah, it was the best thing for me at that time.
0: Yeah. So fast forward, and now you're in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Um, Tacoma's rents are a little bit higher than mm-hmm. 160 or 200 dollars per month. Uh, <laughs> it's a different kind of vibe. But how do you how do you think about our art scene, especially when it comes to poetry and things like that?
2: Um, I think it's yeah. It's one of the things that I really liked when I first got here one of the things that really attracted me to Tacoma when I first got here and again we came here not knowing really anything Um, the murals you know the the letterpress scene like the just the ubiquity of that kind of artwork and and how you know interesting and diverse within that group like the types of artists that are in that group and what they're making Um, and um, I, I don't know I was just kind of impressed with the way that it seemed like the city put art Forward, um, in ways that I'm not sure other places do, you know. And so I've really been lucky to to get to know Amy and uh, Naomi. Amy McBride and, at the city, Naomi right. Avila yeah. yeah, down at the city, and I think that, that that they you know believe the mission and they really do support the artists in a big way.
0: And have the the trust. It seems like of the leadership of the city that you know it's that's not a department to bury. It's a you know it should be a, a leading right. focus. It seems. Yeah, you know, it seems like outside. that's what's
2: going on, right? Yeah, and I think that. I think that's amazing. So, yeah. um and I think also just I've I've been able to in the in the 5 years I've been here just I've I I feel like I've really grown myself as a writer just being exposed to some of the people that I've been around and um and creating a kind of community um around especially around the bookstore around King's Books is where I sort of hang around a lot and mm-hmm. um getting to know other writers and kind of what they're working on and yeah. The, yeah. state of the, the state of the city poetry scene. <laughs> I think it's good. There, I was just talking to Christina Butcher, who's the publisher of my book, and we were talking about what's coming out. Like Kelly Richardson's got a new book coming out. Abby Murray's got a new book coming out um, just in October. And we were kind of –
0: And these are all local poets. They're all local. Poets, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's pretty good. That is pretty cool. Yeah.
0: You're also involved in uh, an organization called Write 253, which uh, – works with writing and poetry. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So we work with teenagers primarily, um, middle and high school. And it's countywide, but we do a lot of our work here in Tacoma. Uh, We operate sort of three or four main programs throughout the year, um, Louder Than a Bomb, which is the uh, poetry slam that was started in Chicago in 2001. that's
0: That's like every year, right?
2: Every year. It's in March. And I, I, Lived in Chicago and I worked for Young Chicago Authors and was essentially the event coordinator for Louder Than a Bomb hmm. uh, for three years and then was in graduate school in New Jersey and helped found a Louder Than a Bomb in New Jersey. So after there was a documentary about Louder Than a Bomb that came out like 2008, 2009. After that came out, cities around the country wanted to start doing Louder Than a Bomb hmm. events in their cities. Okay, And at the same time, a lot of the kids who were in that kind of first wave of LTAB uh, were... Going to college and not coming back to Chicago, and starting up programs similar to Louder Than a Bomb in the towns that they were in, so Boston and Michigan and kind of all over, uh, mostly in the East. So Tacoma's is the first West Coast Louder Than a Bomb. We started in 2016, and every year, schools and community organizations form teams and they compete against each other in a poetry slam. In poetry slams. Uh, it's what a competition? Okay. Have you been? Have you been a judge for our poetry slam? I have not.
0: I don't know I if I would know if I would know what a good slam is versus a bad slam. Yeah,
2: that's that's why you would make a great judge, <laughs> because what we really try to do is find. We don't want people who think that they're authorities on what makes. good I am not an authority, These, so you're perfect I'm well qualified. I'll I sign guess. You up. Um, and we need a lot of judges. We need five judges per bout, and we, we're aiming to have like ten bouts. We'll need like fifty judges. Is this,
0: this something the public could go to? Or? Yeah, it's completely okay.
2: open to the public. Wow. Um, that's cool. We're working on the dates and the and the locations and all that right now. But this year we launched a program uh, we're calling the educational partnerships. What we're trying to do is is get right two five three teaching artists in buildings in Tacoma Public Schools, middle and high schools. So yeah. we're working with a handful of middle and high schools to have kind of poets and residence programs, and those poets would help those schools get their Louder Than a Bomb teams together so that we're increasing the number of teams overall that are in Louder Than a Bomb, but we're specifically increasing the number of Tacoma public school teams that are in Louder Than a Bomb, yeah. which has been – it's kind of our mission for this next one. Yeah. Um, we also operate programs over at Raymond Hall Juvenile Detention I think Center. think that's really interesting. Yeah, we do every Thursday alternating book club, writing club, book club, writing club. And so we're there – year-round, um, and we have a group of volunteers, co- core volunteers, for both of those clubs that are there every week. And um, we just received a grant from the Children's Museum, hmm. which I'm very excited about, to purchase audio equipment, uh, mics and a and a laptop and an interface and maybe a drum machine and some other things that we're going to store at Raymond Hall that will become a kind of mobile recording studio at Raymond Hall that we can use in other programming but would the idea being, we're recording stories and poems from the youth at Raymond Hall. That's really great. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. So, um, and then we do a summer camp called Downtown Poets. This year was our second year with that, and we did a focus on visual arts and poetry. So we did letterpress printing. We're doing a sidewalk poetry, invisible poetry project. You know that? It's like when you
0: th- like you use a uh, like a power washer or something to.
2: Uh, well, no, it's a sealant. Oh, sealant. Like, okay, like a concrete sealant, but it's, bi- it's it's biodegradable. So it's, when uh, it rains, eco, yeah, and you can't see it unless it's raining, which that's great for here. So cool. Yeah, <laughs> we just put a couple down. So East 40th Street between McKinley and Portland. Okay.
0: So the next head time o- it rains, head over there.
2: On the street or on the sidewalk? On the on the sidewalk. And we're working with schools in that area to to write poems, and then we'll help them create the stencils and apply them.
0: That's really onto cool. On the
2: sidewalk. So that's a year long, like a school year long project that we're just starting up. Um, and we did some of that at the camp this year. So some of the campers will have their poems. Two of them are already there, and we've got to keep adding them. So um, if you're over there, East 40th between McKinley and Portland, look down. That's a really when it's cool raining. idea. It's really fun. Um, so those are kind of our three big programs. Yeah, um, that we do throughout and, the year,
0: and you're the executive director that's right. of, of the organization. Yeah, and it's a pretty new organization, right?
2: Well, I depend. Yeah, I mean, sort of like it was founded in 2011. I'd by, say that's new. By Mary, is that new? That's still new.
0: Yeah. Okay. Tacoma Little Theater is 101 years old. But that's <laughs> a, that's fair relative to the Tacoma Little Theater.
2: <laughs> right? Two five three is pretty new. Uh, Mary Fox, who's a professor at TCC, and a handful of other educators here in the city. We're noticing that the, their students' writing was could have been better. Could have been they could have used more support hmm. in their writing, and wanted to figure out out of school time opportunities for them to write. And then I came aboard in 2016 and and brought louder than a bomb into the programming fold. And you know since then we've you know uh, reconfigured our board of directors and we've gone through all of the the motions that 501c3s have to go through to become yeah. legitimate in the eyes of the Internal Revenue Service. Oh, yes. Which is super fun. Yep. Um, And really kind of focus like what, you know, ask the question, what do we do? What do we do well? And then really try to focus our energy there. We've got a great group of teaching artists who work with us um, and great community support. And the the classroom teachers we work with are amazing. So That's awesome. It's fun. It's good work. Yeah,
0: Great. Well, I'm glad it's still going after eight years now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to hear more about
1: uh, your book, uh, which is coming out later this month. Okay. This is Nate Bowling, host of the Nerve Farmer podcast on the Channel 253 Network. I fly a lot. And when I fly, I want to actually enjoy my time in the air. So I'm looking for two things. One, being treated like a human being. And two, an amazing mileage plan. And for those two things, the only game around is Alaska Airlines. The flight attendants are courteous. The service is efficient. And when I fly with Alaska, I feel like a human, like a customer, not a commodity. And the mileage plan. I get rewarded for the miles that I fly, which means that flying across the country really racks up the miles. So the next time you're looking to fly from SeaTac, skip the travel sites. Just head to alaskaair.com, book your ticket. You'll thank me. I'm Nate Bowling, Alaska Airlines MVP Gold, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com.
0: And we are back. Uh, thank you to our sponsor and thank you to the members uh, who make Channel 253 happen. For $4 a month or $40 a year, you support the podcast, including this one. Uh, we have a new podcast out with uh, Audrey Cunningham and her sister Denise, sorry, Melanie Denise Cunningham, uh, called What Say You. That's now in the network. Um, We have uh, Nate Bolling podcasting from Abu Dhabi, so we're super international. Still talking to Tacoma, but that's the Nerd Farmer Show. If you want to support that plus some of our reporting uh, because we're kind of venturing into that now, uh, go to channel253.com slash membership. Okay. Mr. Michael Haflinger, you have uh, a new book of poems out, uh, September twenty seventh. You're having an event at King's Books at seven o'clock. What is the book called? Uh, it's called Low
2: Static Rage. Do you want to share anything about the about the title or? Uh... Um, no. I mean, there's not much to share. I, would, okay. I needed a title for the book. It's from one of the lines in the poem, and I thought the. Th- the three words together That's, yeah. worked really well. Yeah, absolutely. And sonically. Yeah. And syllabically. Syllabically. I'm not sure I've ever, ever heard that used that way. I don't know if it's that actually way. a word, I like it. but I'm, I'm, I just I like liked it. how it sounded.
0: Yeah. You, you, worked, you, uh, you mentioned with uh, uh, Christina Butcher mm-hmm. uh, and Blue Cactus Press. I right. think I'm getting that right. That's a local Tacoma publisher.
2: That's right. That's very cool. Yeah, this is her third – I want to say fourth full-length po- third full-length poetry collection. I think I have to. Anyway, yeah, you can look at the website. Is, is, but she's got a lot other local poets. Is there a unifying theme as you think about it for this book? Um, yeah, I guess so. I think, which is why the title seems to work pretty well. Um, I think that there's a um, a low there, static rage. There's a low <laughs> static rage in the poems. There's there's there are no moments of explicit violence in these poems. But there's always like the moment before or the moment after. Mm. It seems to kind of be buzzing along, right? So the poems deal a lot with with family, not necessarily mine, just the notions of family and like relationships between um, parents and children. Um, There's also a lot of, I think – masculinity and and especially boyhood and kind of teenhood in the poems that kind of emerges. Um, And radios seem to make a lot of appearances in the poems, which is why I think the title also seemed to work. So I didn't write this book with any of those things in mind. Um, I don't really write that way. I just write poems and then I started to think about which pieces work together and look for through lines. Um, There were I think a hundred Poems that I started with, and then we got it down to 37 or 38. I can't remember, but it's it's like, you know, you you begin to see connections. Mm-hmm. You begin to see like the universe that this book is living in just by going over it and going over it. And yeah, thinking it through. So, um, yeah, I'm really I'm really happy with what we ended up with. Christina yeah. was really great helping in that process of you know laying all the poems out on the floor and figuring out what order they should go in. and That's really like, cool. How they work together.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, you mentioned themes of uh, family mm-hmm. and masculinity and things like that. Are those common themes for you, or uh, new ground?
2: Well, the book was—I mean, these poems were written over the course of, of of eight or nine years. Wow! Right. So, like, the oldest book or the oldest poem in this book is is probably eight years old. And so, to say that you know I'm thinking about those themes all the time or anything—I think would be not correct necessarily. It's just that. Those things come up, but I write a lot about a lot of things, and mm-hmm. those other things didn't work for this collection, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, with the work that I do with with Write 253 and just the world that I live in, uh, the world we all live in, you know, I think about um, masculinity. I think about young men. I think about the moves we make in the world. I think about who we are, and that comes out of my work or comes out in my work, mm-hmm. um, and it just – seem to be highlighted in in the, a lot of these poems.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think wrestling with those issues is particularly important right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I've been wrestling with them since sure. 92 when I first started doing this kind of thing, right? It's just part of the, the world I walk through.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, is, is this your first book or have you published some others as well? I've
2: got two um, what are called chat books, so shorter books um, and I've got a spoken word CD that I okay. did. Here in Tacoma, I did that uh, two years ago. Um, This is the first what they would consider the full-length collection in the publishing world. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Do you have anything in there that you would uh, like to read on air that is appropriate for? uh, uh, Not, I was gonna. It's not about appropriateness in terms of like swears, but just like a good fit for. There's no swears in the book. Well, that's. that's I don't think I
2: put any swears in this. Either way, that's a different book. Okay. well, you I don't know. What would you like? Would you like something um, Tacoma-ish? Yeah. I've got a Tacoma poem. That sounds perfect. We art Tacoma here. Um, I mean, it's not a Tacoma poem, it's, It just takes place in Tacoma. Sure. So I can read that if you like. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> it's called Karaoke at the Flying Boots. When Craig slipped off the bar stool, it was time to split. By then, Brett had done Thunder Road, and Cindy, who hates to sing in public, had finished her bourbon and kept eyeing the door. PJ had been by twice to hit on Sarah, and I had put my hand under Craig's sweaty head as the drinkers at the bar rose around him like a nativity scene or pallbearers staring into the hole. The bartender wouldn't let us move him. Before she could finish concussion, His eyes exploded open and he shot to his feet to find his Belgian replaced by a glass of ice water and his Czech. This was after Craig had scooped Sarah from her stool to dance to Nancy Sinatra, and after Michelle sang a 10,000 maniac song I requested, and after the guy in the corner emerged from the shadows with a steel determination to nail Drift Away, and Brett did some more Bruce, and Sarah and I both did Merle songs about drinking, but before I asked Michelle, if she was okay with us leaving because she's here four nights a week and she knows what drives people to fall asleep on the edge of the bar and drop to the floor like a bass note. This was also after another regular named Marcus began crying openly and fell off his stool and the EMTs came to investigate why he fell unconscious and PJ came by to say through his slur my friend Marcus just died even though he hadn't yet. That was
0: a very visceral poem. Thank
2: you. That's what I'm, I'm – I go for visceral.
0: And and very yeah. Tacoma, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've
2: ever done karaoke at the Flying Boots I have on South 38th Is, I, Street. Isn't
0: the uh, D- producer – sound producer Doug's over there. I have. Did some Bowie there. Bowie. Which song? Um, That's a good question.
2: Yes, she was. Um, all I right. Think, I think it was probably either – it was probably China Girl.
0: Young American. Oh, good.
2: Yeah. I think we should do a whole podcast.
0: You're, on you're, you're, not a, a you're not a fair karaoke guy. You could probably rock that. I mean, that's the point, you know. But but you're a ringer. It he actually like. sings. He yeah. actually sings. Right. Did you ever see that that video of uh, Jewel karaokeing Jewel?
2: Loved it. No.
0: Yeah, she surprised a Bar karaoke Jewel. So good. <laughs> you should check it out, especially when the, they start to realize what's going on. Do yeah. you have
2: a go-to karaoke song?
0: Uh, I am, I have a little bit of stage fright karaoke. Okay. My last, like, really successful karaoke was um, Short Skirt Long Jacket, because you can kind of talk through that one a little bit without, like, quite singing it, mm-hmm. um, and it's got that, it's got a really good beat to uh, to make it work, and mm-hmm. people were into it, And but I bet that's been six years. I karaoke, I'm karaoke. i supposed to go karaoke next weekend okay, or the weekend after. I can't remember which, but uh, I'm yeah. not prepared for that at all. You've got to practice at home. you, you mentioning ready. Drift Away. I had literally thought about Drift Away oh. a few yeah. weeks ago. And then I was listening to him like, I don't think I can nail that
2: one. And... This dude did so well. I mean, he really got it note for note. Wow. And then he just went back to the corner of the bar and sat back down. Wow. Like he was there by himself. It was great. Did,
0: were the names changed to protect the innocent? No, nah, I don't really do that.
2: <laughs> What's Craig yes. going to think when he reads the poem? I don't know if Craig will ever. I don't know Craig. Oh, okay. So in the, in the story of the poem, Craig is a, a stranger. Okay. The, a lot of the other people I do know, but Craig was just a guy who happened to be there that night.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I will look forward to the poem about this podcast sometime. and uh, <laughs> I'll, know, I'll know it's me because you won't change the name.
2: I, I'll, I'll call you your character, Doug. And I'll call Doug's character Eric. (laughs) That'll that'll really—that'll be perfect for the scent a little bit. That'll be great. Um,
0: Um, So uh, you're having an
2: event uh, on the 27th for for the book? Yes, at King's Books. uh, The cellist Michaela Cooley will be there with me. She's great. Yeah, and we've collaborated before in the past. She did a couple of tracks on my um, spoken word record, and we've done some live performances together. So I'm really, really excited about that. That's really cool. I love working with Michaela. Yeah, she's she does such cool things with that cello. And yeah. and, uh, yeah, so it'll be 7 o'clock at the bookstore. Um, copies available at the show if anybody wants to pick one up. But they're there now, too, if anybody wants to get it beforehand so they can mouth along the lyrics while I'm reading.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, autographs and all of those we'll things. We'll do like autographs. That's yeah. great.
2: Pictures, selfies. All those things. I guess I'm things. very uncomfortable with that. that. All the marketing things. All the marketing things, yeah.
0: Exactly. One of the things I like to do at the end of the podcast is to... Invite my guest to give a shout-out hmm. to an organization or a person in Tacoma who you just really think is doing amazing things for Tacoma's art scene. It doesn't have to be poetry-related even at all. Just uh, who who deserves a gold star?
2: Wow, that's a great question. Um, there are a lot of gold. I wish I had many gold stars to give out. Uh, I am going to shout-out Jessica Spring, Springtide Press. Yeah. And I know, you know, a lot of folks know Jessica. She came through this summer and did the letterpress printing portion of our summer camp. And she was great with the youth, taught them a lot about it, taught me a lot about it. She's been really supportive Um, as an organization, Write 253 is making letterpress printing part of kind of our menu of things that we do. And Jessica is helping us to do that. Um, besides that, she's a brilliant artist, and she's hilarious, and she's just a lot of fun to be around. So I'm going to shout out Jessica.
0: And and she's got like the coolest letterpress studio. It's like a letterpress, world. letterpress spa. It's,
2: it's, ama- <laughs> 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 it's a great term, yeah. It's amazing, yeah. yeah.
0: It really is. Okay. Um, well, I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. And uh, again, for those listening, um, September 27th, 7 o'clock, King's Book. And the book is Low
2: Static Rage. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.